Tonight's reading comes from the book of Joel in the Old Testament, chapter 2. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, spare your people, O Lord. And make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. Grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. It's what this whole Christianity thing is all about. That God would give his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life instead. To sacrifice means to give up something. Or in the case of Jesus, to give up someone. Over this Lenten season, over the next six weeks, we're going to focus our attention on the theme, I give up. Six weeks of sacrifice. On Sundays, we're primarily going to focus on that theme, that first part, I give up. And each Sunday, we'll talk about something that inhibits us from experiencing the fullness of life in Christ that we as Christians ought to be giving up. And then on Wednesdays, we'll focus our attention on uh, sacrifices, the sacrificial system, bringing our attention back into the Old Testament uh, to things that we talk about, uh, that we sing about in our liturgy, uh, that we describe as things Jesus has done, but we might not know necessarily what all those things mean or where they come from. So that's primarily what we'll do on Wednesdays. But tonight it's Ash Wednesday. I'm wearing black. A lot of you are wearing red. It also happens to be Valentine's Day. Perhaps you celebrated that today. And now, in this place, at this time, we're acknowledging the reality of our sin. So in one moment, you're expressing your heartfelt love for one another, and now we're here acknowledging our sin. And the fact that sin is what kills us. Our sin causes our death. From dust we were created, and to dust we shall return. You will hear those words repeated over and over again tonight as you have a cross placed upon your forehead. The scriptures say that the wages of sin is death. No amount of romantic love no amount of candy, no amount of chocolate lava cake, no amount of wine, no amount of fancy flowers or jewelry or vacations can save you from this fact. 
It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. Whether you are poor or the president, all have fallen short of the glory of God and all of us will die because of our sin. Let that sink in. Tonight, in the book of Joel, you heard these words, and I'll repeat it again. You can follow along. It's verses 12 through 14 that I'm going to read again. Yet even now, declares the Lord, yet even now, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether you will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Do those words sound familiar? Uh, if you're a, a member of our church and you were here this last Sunday, they should sound familiar, actually. Uh, we were reading through the whole book of Jonah uh, as a church the last five weeks. And in chapter four of the book of Jonah, Jonah used these exact same words to describe God. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah uses these words to describe God. The prophet Joel uses these words to describe God, but they're not just making this up. Both Jonah and Joel are actually quoting God himself. Way back in the book of Exodus, when God revealed his identity and his character to Moses, God said this about himself, I, the Lord your God, and gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. What a description that is of our awesome God, isn't it? And how true it is. Yet here in this book of Joel, if you haven't read this before, go home and, and read it. It's a, it's a quick read, but verse or chapter 1, we just read chapter 2. If you read chapter 1, Joel is heaving some good Old Testament prophecy of devastation among the people in chapter 1. It is just fire and brimstone that Joel is prophesying among the people. He's prophesying about coming destruction, about locusts, about devastation, about the fact that their food and water will be gone and they won't be able to make sacrifices and offerings to God because they will have nothing left. Just the verse prior, verse 11, had said this, For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? This talks about when God comes to judge the righteous and the unrighteous. If you are unrighteous standing before God, no one can endure that. Yet, God also allows Joel to bring these words that I read for you to the people. And, and God allows Joel to bring these words to the people. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. You see, because our God is a gracious and merciful God, he desires our repentance. That means turning from our sin and turning back to him. Turning from our selfish ways and turning to him. It's what God desires of us, to repent. And with repentance comes God's forgiveness. That's how it works. That's how God delivers. When we repent, he forgives. And we get the idea here 
in Joel, but not just Joel, throughout the scriptures, we get the idea here that God does not just want our empty words of repentance, but God desires all of us, our entire being. He wants us to love him so deeply as he deeply loves us. What did Joel say? He says, return with how much of your heart? Return with how much of your heart? Return with all of your heart. When you come to God, bring your whole heart. Return with all of your heart. And Joel says, and then do this, rend your heart and not your garments. Rend your heart. That's a word that we don't use very much. I don't know if you know what that means, to rend your heart. Do you know what it means? To rend something means to tear it, to tear it, to rip it, to break it apart, to rend your heart, to rip it apart. God here contrasts tearing apart your heart with tearing apart your garments. God is essentially saying, you know how it is in the, in the Old Testament, you've heard of people tearing their clothes, right? People tear their clothes and they put on sackcloth and ashes when they repent. God is saying here, I don't really care about those outward expressions of repentance if they're empty. I desire that your whole being so deep within you is torn apart to tear your heart. If you think about what Joel is saying here through the, as the mouthpiece of God, God is saying it should break our hearts to see how great our sin is. It should break our hearts to see how great our sin is. It, it should grieve us. It should hurt. When we repent, we should look in and give it all up. Today's Valentine's Day. If you've lived much life at all, I'm sure you've experienced what we would call a broken heart. A broken heart. Maybe someone you loved or thought you loved broke up with you. A broken heart. Maybe you ended a relationship with someone that you cared deeply about, but it just had to end and it broke your heart. But even deeper and more fully expressed oftentimes and more fully experienced, our hearts break when our loved ones die. Our hearts break. We know what it feels like to have broken hearts. And so today, as we gather around this altar, and as we have ashes placed upon our foreheads, it's the stark reminder to us that we cannot escape the effects of sin. We cannot escape the effects of sin on our own. What shape is that ash going to be in on your forehead? The sign of the cross. So as you are marked as one who is mortal because of your sin, you are marked with that sign of the cross upon your forehead because you also cannot escape the grace and mercy and love of God in Jesus Christ for you. And because through Jesus Christ, all brokenness is coming to an end. Tonight we are being encouraged once again to rend our hearts to God.
to tear them apart, to break our hearts in repentance. And when we rend our hearts to God, Jesus comes to mend our hearts. And when we rend our hearts to God, Jesus comes to tend to the brokenhearted. We rend our hearts and Jesus comes to tend to them and to mend them back together. I encourage you this night once again as we enter this Lenten season, this time of, uh, of recognition of our sin and time of penitence, to be reminded that just as we cannot escape the effects of sin, we cannot escape the grace of God. So I tell you tonight, be ready to receive this wonderful gift of God's grace and mercy. You cannot escape his love. He has come for you. In Jesus' name, amen.